0: Welcome back. <laughs> well, did that really um, just happen? Yep. Yes. Unless this is all a dream.
1: Ah, that's hot.
2: Yeah, it's coffee. What else would you expect?
1: I wasn't expecting that. It
0: seems, folks.
1: We are a hot mess.
0: Yeah. Some of us hotter than others. Okay.
1: Talk about the fact that you and Mary Kate did rock paper scissors to figure out what episode we were recording first.
0: I I, I didn't catch the beginning of that. What's what's the problem here?
1: That you and Mary Kate did what rock paper it?
0: scissors to figure out what. Episode. Oh, Is that God. a bad thing? You say that like it's a bad thing. I thought yeah. it was amazing. It'll go down in the line of most epic moments of our podcast recording history, in my book. <laughs> you are not amused one bit. That was just like stone cold, eating my popcorn, not having any of it. This is awesome.
1: I didn't necessarily have a response to what you were saying, so that's why I was just like, okay, well, I'm just going to Emma gonna didn't eat have a response?
0: What?
1: Well, I think I was thinking of one, but then I was like, I don't Keep think it's going to it comes out of my
0: mouth. Oh, no. Okay, good. It.
1: No, I just, I don't even... I don't even know if I had a thought.
0: How do, how do you not know if you didn't have a, wait, I didn't even know if I had a thought <laughs> that, Did it? I mean, I guess that works, but I really don't know if I was thinking about anything after you said that. I thought women were incapable of thinking about nothing
2: i was just about to say isn't that like a isn't that like a guy thing that you like we have a
0: bio like you have we have some sort of biological neurological capacity to literally think about nothing and women hear that and they're like how does that even work like what what is what what's that like
2: i'm always thinking that's
1: weird i think i was thinking about if i was thinking about something then i was thinking about do i eat this popcorn now or do i wait (laughs)
0: Oh, while you were giving me that like stone cold look of disapproval? or
1: Yeah, maybe. Oh, okay. Maybe that's I, not what I don't remember what I was thinking
0: That's about just how it. I'm interpreting it out of my own brokenness. Well, yeah. welcome back, everybody, to the Cause for Joy podcast for the we really third time. Are joyful <laughs> people around here. What? I said we really are joyful
1: people around here, even though yes. we do talk about the dark path of depravity
0: mm. well, or
1: like desolation quite a bit.
0: Sometimes that's the way the reality to joy of the spiritual life, right? amen amen. <laughs> he is risen <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm disappointed you didn't chant the solemn
0: hallelujah father you did can't. you chant that at
1: the Easter Vigil did you do the solemn hallelujah
0: well yeah of course go in peace no, 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 oh no, not no. that one I guess the I don't know what you're talking about then. oh no where you like
1: chant it three times, and each time you go up?
0: No, we got out the tambourines and the maracas and went halle halle halle. No, I'm joking. Jeez, hallelujah. I'm joking. Relax.
2: Ali, Ali, accent free.
0: Yes, something like that so here we are beautiful saturday morning ladies good to be with you for this next episode of the cause for joy podcast um while emma recovers from her heart attack over there uh okay, what's your shirt say every smile what
2: every smile has a story
0: uh-huh.
2: and on the back it has my niece's name because she was born with a cleft lip and palate Ah. Um, and so that's kind of the uh, cleft saying is that every smile has a
0: story. I was wondering what the story was behind every smile has a story. So well,
2: there you go. Now you know.
0: Now I know. For my Great niece. Story. <laughs> Yeah. God bless her.
2: Yeah, she's she's a joyful little little girl. She's awesome. She's Mary Trez's age.
0: Okay. Okay. That hmm. that's uh, which brother is that? It's actually which my kid? sister. Oh, your sister's kid. Okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, my sister Laura her her daughter Abigail and so they found out that um, when when my sister was expecting her they found out that um, she would have a, a cleft lip and palate and my sister just she had never considered the name Abigail at all and she just kind of felt like Abigail that's the right that's the right name and then she found out later that Abigail actually means the father's joy and when uh-huh. she found that out, she was like, it's done. This is her name.
0: Wow, and that's beautiful. She brings,
2: she brings a lot of joy. A lot of heart attacks, too, in her short life with all of the medical things that have happened. Sure. Um, like at one point, uh, I think a little over a year ago, in the middle of the night, she stopped breathing. Hmm. Um, and it was simply because one of the doctors that had given her a surgery to put a palate in made it too long for her she had to grow into that type of palate, um and so the back of her palate would fall when she would be asleep because she would be relaxed um and so that happened and she stopped breathing and so my sister until like for like two hours while they were getting her to the emergency room and whatnot had to hold her jaw like forward so that that would stay open and she would keep breathing um so yeah, it's it's been an intense three years for Abigail. Um mm-hmm. but she's she's doing way better and she's she's growing into her palate and uh she has a she has a trach, but um she's pretty much almost done with having the trach. So
0: hmm.
2: I didn't expect to, you know, get into this, but yeah. So
0: hey. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, God bless her. Yeah, God bless your parents and that that is beautiful, Abigail being joy of the father. I I'm just trying to think etymologically, like Abba, maybe like that maybe that's the Ab and then
2: That sounds yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I never knew that. So Well Mary Kay, I think you've got the uh topic for us today.
2: <laughs> I water out Emma. <laughs> oh my
0: goodness, what is going on over there?
2: <laughs> Emma just said it's better than a goat.
0: <laughs> is it though?
2: Well, the okay. name is Mary.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, yes it is. Okay. It
1: literally means goat, which is ba goat. Okay?
0: Yeah. <laughs> goat, joy of the father. I mean, it, it's kind of a toss up. I mean, but okay. <laughs> that was better. Wait,
2: wait, wait. What about the screaming goats? Ah!
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've given up my screaming goat days. I deleted the app from my phone. I'm now a more mature person, so i I can't go into those childish antics of yeah that's a that's a bold face lie um, I can't could <laughs> uh,
1: you hear me saying could you hear me saying over here like but are you really yes yes yeah okay yep <laughs> anyways, all right, well, are you okay
0: yeah, just uh stretching my face here no worries <laughs> so <laughs> the topic mary kate
1: Kate, before we get to the topic since Ah, pauline and i a video and it's all about what what introverts do when they're alone Mm. and she's like does this really happen so one of them was like you sit there with your arm just raised randomly the other one was you pretend that you're giving a ted talk uh what else oh another one you remember like an old memory from middle school or ever and you just make a reaction like oh no uh what was it there was one more and i'm like i don't want to really admit to the ones like this is
0: true i'm an introvert and the only one i can relate to is the ted talk but that's because i literally preach for a living so i'm always constantly practicing preaching stuff but right. the other thing i saw a meme one time and it was like an introvert throwing a party and somebody had blown up these balloons that are like in the shape of different letters and they put it on uh the wall for this party please leave by nine <laughs> Yes. <laughs> which yeah if i was to run a party like those would be the balloons on the wall
1: except the other week when we were christening your house i didn't leave until like eleven thirty. 11 that's probably the latest that I stayed. You've
2: never stayed that late. Party
1: animal. <laughs> we also live closer, so. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Anyways, but then, yesterday, was it yesterday that I sent a picture of me holding my arm up in my office? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Anyways. That's not an uh, introvert thing.
0: That's just weird. <laughs>
1: yeah. I really don't necessarily do that. I just purposely did it because. Got it. I was, I was just being sassy. Anyways. All right. Topic time. Mary-Kate, you've got the topic. I do.
2: So this is the season of First Confessions, First Holy Communion, Confirmation. And so I kind of want to just talk about how do we prepare our young people for these sacraments? Because these are all very important sacraments. Um, So I kind of wanted to pick Emma's brain, pick Father's brain, um, and kind of just like what would be some of your advice for you know, parents who are getting their kids ready for these sacraments because, heck, in about four years, I'm going to be walking with Mary Trez as she prepares for first confession and first holy communion. So, it really does. <laughs> um, especially because, let's see, I'm I'm going on 22 years of receiving our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. So, yeah. So I kind of just want to talk about like what are what are some ways that we can prepare our young people in a age-appropriate way for these sacraments and how can we help them understand what is truly going on um when when they receive these different sacraments. So There you go, guys. Great.
0: Good idea. Are right, you you're just going to drop it? You're not going to start out with some thoughts or you're just going to leave it to us to scramble here or
2: I I I'll, I'll give you some time.
0: Okay.
2: Uh so I guess kind of my my thinking is, you know, as a mom, like I'm I'm preparing my daughter from the time she's born, I'm preparing my sons from the time they're born to receive these sacraments, but it's kind of a slow walk. And then it gets to the point where they're, you know, 6 7 years old and it's like, okay, now it's like it's go time, like what do we need to know to help them understand? Um, so, like one of the things that we do with Mary tries now is when we're getting ready for <clears throat> mass on Sunday mornings. If we have anything on the TV, it's going to be something like Veggie Tales or like something about the saints. Like we've got a few DVDs that are like about Saint Patrick and Saint Nicholas and and whatnot. Um, and she knows Sunday morning we're not watching Paw Patrol. Okay, we're watching something that has to do with Jesus. Um, and then she knows where are we going? We're going to see Jesus. It was really funny because during the trail home, we were going to see Jesus like three days in a row. And so like it got to the point where she was just like, yeah, we're going to see Jesus. We'ren't, I mean, we're leaving the house. Obviously, we're seeing Jesus. Um, and so she gets excited because on Sunday morning, she knows she's going to see Jesus. Um, and she she gives him kisses, you know, before before she goes to sleep. And so it's a slow build right now. Um, but I'm also kind of anticipating, okay, what's it going to be like when we hit that go time when it's like, okay, this is how you make your first confession. This is how you receive our Lord in the right way in the state of grace. Um, and one of the things that really hit me was last night we had our, our faith formation meeting for the cathedral. And they were talking about how, um, at first for, for the last couple of years, what they've been doing is they've been having first confessions and then it would be like months until First Holy Communion. And this year, what they're doing is next Friday, they're going to have the young ones receive their first confessions and then literally a day and a half later, they're receiving their first Holy Communion. So they make that connection. I have to be in the state of grace to receive Jesus, which I think is really important for little kids to understand because they've got a, a small attention span. And so they're not going to, they're not going to realize, oh, Hey, um, especially if their parents are kind of just doing this as a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um,
0: Just kind of like checking the box type yeah, of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, I think it's really important to for them to make that connection um, with confession and first Holy Eucharist. And so as a mom, as I start to prepare my heart over the next few years for my kids to receive these sacraments, I'm making these connections and I'm making like, Okay, how can I prepare my kids? And and I really think that's an important one is is making that connection between confession and and first holy Eucharist.
1: Uh, something that um, so for me, I have a I have a huge heart for like adult formation, right? Uh, and particularly like parents, uh, but I mean, but any adult like that's kind of my go to and. Uh, when I'm, especially if I'm teaching like baptism prep, so I know this isn't like First Communion or First Reconciliation, uh, but I always ask the parents, why are you doing this? You know, uh, why are you doing this? So I think something, you know, if you're a parent and you are preparing your child to receive uh, First Holy Communion, First Reconciliation, confirmations are kind of on a pause right now unless you're like an adult. So like not necessarily, the same thing would go with confirmation too, but you could spend some time um, Reflecting on why are why why is this important for your child to go through this right? Um, because it's it, it's not just a checking the box; it's a modeling from the parents, right? Um, for for your own, like the parents' own spiritual growth too. And it's a it's a good time to uh, refresh and remind uh, the parents how important this is in their spiritual journey as well, right? Uh, you know, I know Pope Francis talks so much about the domestic church. And and fortifying the family right with with faith, uh, it's it's not just something that you send your kids through, uh, but how can we go through this together? As Mary Kay, I really liked how you were saying. Like, how are you in these next couple of years preparing your heart, preparing your soul for your daughter to receive these sacraments, um, to be that model? So I think it, um, you know, from from my standpoint, it's okay. How can we help? Uh, journey with the parents uh, for them to to kind of revisit the importance for them um, and and how can they model that in the home life right Um, so those are some
2: initial thoughts well and what that brings up for me is last night so when when i go to the faith formation meetings i'm there for youth ministry so it always kind of opens my eyes a little bit when the catechists start talking about their their catechism classes with the younger kids um and one of the things that they said they they have been doing with the parents is they gave them questions and i think they had like two separate sets of questions like one for the parents and one for the kids and they they asked the parents honestly like okay What doesn't your child know? What do you need to go over with them? Because you're the primary teachers of the faith. You need to make sure that they know this. And then they honestly asked the parents, do you feel that your child is ready to receive these sacraments? And a few of the parents said, you know, "Mm, maybe not quite yet. Maybe we've got a little bit of work to do. And honestly, I love that because they're being honest with themselves. They're being honest with the parish because your kid has to be in the right state of mind to receive these sacraments. Um, And so I really, I love that, um, that the parents were being honest with themselves and honest with the parish. And, and it's not necessarily a bad thing um, because each kid is different. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a, a reflection on the kid. It's not a reflection on the parents. It's just, what do we need to do to get our kid there? Um, You know, because like I said, every kid is different. They're all going to learn at different speeds. They're all going to learn in different ways. And so I think that's really important is to to walk with the parents. Um, And I think that's something they've especially been doing a little bit more recently at, at our parish.
0: Yeah, that was what I was going to talk about, because um, we have some good catechists here who um, do classes with little kids and and we use the program of the uh, catechesis of the good shepherd so we've got like the atrium set up and they have a really good way of showing them a lot of different visuals or a lot of like I, i think when it comes to eucharist they talk a lot about like vine and the branches and like jesus's divine life in you and so the catechists do a good job of of teaching things to the kids but then i've got the adults um because they're being we have kind of like a formation session with them while their kids are getting uh taught and you know, I, just like kind of what we're saying, I I think that unless you get the parents on board themselves, um, it's not necessarily going to be helpful to just keep pouring into these kids if, and this is, you know, the cynical side of me coming out, but it's like you can go through all the great programs and then they get their first communion. Well, then if mom and dad just don't go to mass anymore, then it's like, you know, the, the kid, uh... the parents and their example and their witness um, are going to speak a lot louder than uh, the words that they teach or that the the teachers will teach them. So um, part of like the task, at least from my end, um, when it comes to sacramental prep is really trying to get the parents to um, grow in their understanding of these sacraments, not merely as like a head knowledge, but so that Hopefully, as an inspiration, as a way to help them more fully participate in these sacraments themselves. So, teach them about the sacrament of reconciliation, not just as a way to teach their kids, but so that they themselves, as parents, can maybe some of them have haven't gone back to confession since their very first confession, or maybe um, they are preparing their kids for first communion, but they themselves, you know, don't go very regularly on Sunday. So it's like this is my opportunity to try to teach you about how beautiful uh, the mass is and uh, to help you learn about why it is that we say and do what we do so that you can engage and participate more fully in these things. And then your witness and example will kind of trickle down and make that continuous impact on your kids. So yeah, I'm with you guys. It's, it's so important to prepare the adults um, as we are preparing the kids.
2: I also, I kind of want to be a little bit of a devil's advocate here because yes, it's extremely important that the parents understand because that's where your kids are going to get it from. But I think there's also something to be said for the graces of, um, not only confession and, um, first Holy Eucharist, but I think there's also the, the graces that they get from their baptisms because I've heard so many times where people will fall away. Like for example, Emma, and then Really, through the grace of God, they end up coming back to the fold and really are strong in their faith. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with the graces of the sacrament. Now, obviously, we don't want them to be receiving unworthily, you know We don't want that that sin against the Holy Eucharist, but I feel like there is something to be said for the graces that the sacraments give um, to to a person. I, yes, especially baptism,
1: particularly baptism, you know, uh, and we don't want to necessarily deprive anybody of the sacraments, but we want, we should desire proper formation, right? Um, But Father, to go off of what you were saying, um, you know, teaching the parents really about all, like not just the sacraments itself, but let's talk about the Mass, which is the Mass is the sacrament of the Eucharist, right? But um, but to answering the why questions, right? That, I think, is even for kids, you know, explaining why this is important and not just saying, well, it's important because Jesus else is important. No, like, where do you see it in Scripture? Like, how does this come alive in Scripture? How does, uh, why is it important to me? Like, how have I encountered Jesus Uh, through the sacraments, right? How have I encountered Jesus through receiving Holy Communion? How have I encountered Jesus through the Sacrament of Reconciliation? How have I received this, right? Sharing why it's important, not only from the teachings of the church, but that personal encounter. And, you know, I I was recently, I was in a conversation with somebody. They're like, well, I don't really know how to, to share this with somebody. I said, well, have you had an encounter? Like, has has your life been changed because of this? Uh, because of studying the faith or things like that? And, and they said, "Well, yeah." I said, well, "All you have to do is share why it's important or how it has impacted you." That's you know, that's I think sometimes we can complicate educating the faith or educating others in the faith, handing down the teachings and traditions of the church, um, and formation. I think sometimes we can overcomplicate it where sometimes we just need to explain why this is important and how it impacts our life. And then we can feed them more, right? So, but I think with the parents, you know, asking the question, why do you have your kid here? You know, why do you want this? And and sometimes I've even said, like, I, I, I challenge you to think deeper than, oh, well, this is just because this is what we're supposed to do. Right? Sometimes I say that to them, saying, I, "I want you to think deeper than, Oh, this is just what we're supposed to do. Like, why do you really have your kid here? You know why is this important? Um, encouraging that self-reflection. so
2: you saying the the personal encounter really hit home for me because I remember I was probably about <clears throat> I don't know fifteen years old, and I remember very clearly going to my mom and saying, Mom, I got to I I have to be honest, and I was a little bit scared because my mom is honestly <laughs> she's a saint. Um, and I'm like, I was I was really nervous, and I go up to my mom, and I'm like, Mom, I, uh, I, I like get intellectually that the Eucharist is Jesus. I get it. I know that that's him, but it's hard for me to believe it in here, like in my heart and she's like okay well let's let's do a little bit of research let's look at some stuff to help you understand and so i did a bunch of research and i was st- starting to kind of get there um uh, but then i went to um a summer camp at ave maria university in florida and i went to some like mock class type things um and at the end of the week there was a kind of a retreat type thing and they had this time of adoration and um uh, worship and the priest invited all of us to come forward and kneel along you know the step and and to really be encountered by Christ so he would bring the monstrance to every single one of us and when he stopped in front of me and Christ was there in front of me that's when it clicked that's when the encounter happened and I, and that's when it was for me it was like this is truly God like my lord and my god. Um and so you have to have that encounter. Um and you're not going to have that encounter unless you're actually searching. You you have to be searching for that relationship with with Christ. Um and so I think it's really important for the parents to to actively be working on their relationship so they can show their kids how to actively work on their relationship with Christ.
0: Yeah. And maybe, um, I mean, as a parent, you know, I I would be open to your your feedback or your um, suggestions on how to do that, because like as a priest and, you know, Emma, you work at a parish. I know you both work at a parish, but it's like our responsibility should be to be able to equip parents, um, for, for those different things. And so, um, if, if you are looking to the parish to help you in that mission, like what are things that we can do that are like actual practical helps for parents is like a question that I have on my heart. Yeah.
1: Well, and and I, what I was just going to say too, is that, um, I think at at least in sometimes in, in parishes, I've seen this where education and encounter are separated, uh, where, they actually go hand in hand, right? Education and encountering the Lord go hand in hand. We can't just, you know, bring people together uh, and then not offer some sort of formation, but also look at it as a point of encountering Jesus, right? Like that, the focus is always on Jesus. So, um, I, I, I'm a huge, I'm <laughs> a huge advocate for Eucharistic adoration. You know, uh, exposing people to our Lord in that capacity it can have monumental like effects on their personal growth, right? Um, offering the sacraments, making the sacraments, like you start with the sacramental life of the church, right? Like just making the sacraments readily available to people, um, introducing them to say like if in a formation session, right, if able to have our Lord exposed in the monstrance and say, okay, you know, we're going to end, uh, we're going to end First Holy Communion um, prep, whatever you want to call it. Uh, by going into the church, we're going to have maybe a half hour or 20 minutes of Eucharistic adoration, right? And maybe you pray a chaplet of divine mercy with them, introducing them to that prayer, right? Uh, or maybe you pray a decade of the rosary together. Or even if you can't have Eucharistic adoration uh, with Jesus exposed in the monstrance, maybe say, okay, we're going to go to the chapel. We're going to go to the church. Uh, we're gonna be in the presence of our Lord in in the tabernacle, right? Uh, and we'll pray together, right? You know, so using those moments, like keeping Jesus at the focal point, right? But getting them in the church as often as possible, right? Just to be before our Lord uh, in, in the Eucharist. Uh, I mean, he's with us everywhere, but there's something very special about being with him, abiding with him uh, when he is really there in the Eucharist, right? Uh, so, just things like that, you know, don't be afraid of Eucharistic adoration, uh, or to, to expose your families, to expose your kids to our Lord in the Eucharist, uh, practicing prayers together, um, simple prayers. They don't have to be a lot or maybe litanies. The litany of St. Joseph is beautiful. Uh, you know, so just starting to introduce some of these rich prayers can help ignite that flame of faith, uh, to continue right in the sacramental journey. So I think for me, that's one thing that pops into my mind.
2: It's funny that you say, you know, practice these prayers because from the time the kids were, were really little, um, we always do night prayer with them. And we were on our way to Frankenmuth the other day um, just for some hanging out time as a family. Um, Cause Jason's had this week off from, from school um, work school because he also has school school, but, <laughs> um, so we're, we're driving to Frankenmuth and all of a sudden Jason and I realize that Mary Trez is in the back seat chanting the canticle from night prayer, because that's part of our, our nighttime prayer with them before bed. So she's in the back going, protect us, Lord, as we stay awake, watch over us as we sleep that awake, we may keep watch with Christ and asleep. Rest in his peace. And then she's saying, she's singing it in this little tiny voice. And Jason and I were like, yes, it's working. (laughs) And so, honestly, just doing those repetitive prayers before bedtime or you're doing, you know, grace before meals, they're going to catch on. It's it's it doesn't have to be this huge thing. But if you make it a part of your daily life, it's just that's life. When I was growing up, if something was lost, we prayed to St. Anthony. Tony, Tony, look around, find what's lost and can't be found. So now the very first thing I think of whenever I can't find something like yesterday, I had to go to the faith formation meeting and my kids had gotten a hold of my shoes and couldn't find them. And I'm just like, St Anthony, where the heck are they? And probably within a minute I had found them. Um, and so it's if you, if you just make it a part of your daily life, it doesn't have to be some huge thing. Um, the kids are gonna catch on
1: even introducing the practice of just uh, reading the daily readings as a family. you know uh, the church has the beautiful lectionary for a reason uh, so that we can daily, hear different scripture passages. So, even just reading the the readings together uh, as a family, right? Uh, and all of these things can be very beautiful when preparing for the sacraments because it's, you know, it, the, the sacraments are the tangible means in which God is speaking to us, right? Uh, and he gives us these tangible signs to speak his grace to us, but it goes more than just the sacraments, right? I mean, the sacraments are the lifeblood of the church, right? The Eucharist is the lifeblood of the church, but uh, there's so much more that enhances our ability to receive the graces of the sacraments. So whether it's these prayers, right? There's beautiful, beautiful prayers, uh, but also just reading sacred scripture together, reading the daily readings. Uh, You don't have to be a theologian to read read the scripture, right? But just to familiarize yourself or to do it with your kids. That way they're constantly hearing the word of God spoken to their hearts. Um, so that's something something simple, um, just reading the daily readings. Um, and I would encourage, if you're gonna read the daily readings, don't cut out the response oral Psalm. Um, Cause I know sometimes people will just kind of, You read the first reading, maybe skip over the Responsorial Psalm and go to the gospel or go to the second reading. But uh, the Psalms in particular are beautiful prayers um, that can really speak to our hearts because there's so many, I mean, there's Psalms of joy and lament and sadness and uh, celebration, all of that. So you can get the wide variety of emotions. But um, that would be another encouragement. Just spend time reading the the readings together as a family uh, can really help
2: yeah because I think because we we've done that um, and I've done it throughout my life with reading the readings, like there are times when I'm going through something that I can go back to scripture and be comforted. Mm-hmm. like if if I'm going through a dark time, like the first thing my mind goes to is um, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we're introducing this to our kids, then they're going to be able to go back to that at certain times of their life. Um, or, you know, there's that famous saying from uh, from John Paul II, we are an Easter people and hallelujah is our song. Um, if you fill the kids' lives with these sayings from the saints or the sayings from scripture, like it's going to be in their minds and they're going to remember it. Um, whether it's a joyful time or whether it's a, a hard time, they're going to be able to go to that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I, I'm i just, as you are speaking, you know, you're, you're talking about your experience in the home and as a parent. And again, I'm thinking about all this from the perspective of a priest and in particular one who tends to spend time forming the adults um, during that time. And I I think just one of my takeaways from this conversation and just from my limited experience so far, just um, starting out uh, in this kind of world is how important it is to um, meet parents where they're at. Um, And Emma, you were talking about that with like sitting down with each of them for various like baptism class, for instance, and just saying like, why are you here? You know, and just getting a sense of where they're at is going to, affect how it is that you're going to work with them because, you know, and I I don't want to come off as like sounding judgmental or condescending, but like I had a a presentation I was going to give to the parents um, recently for sacramental prep. And I had one kind of route that I was planning to go down. But then as I was starting out and I was like kind of asking them questions to get us going into the topic, I realized, oh, okay, like all these initial questions i'm asking they're not even really confident in those answers and so maybe i shouldn't keep going down the route i had in mind and instead focus on, okay, where are you at intellectually? Where are you at with like the concerns that are on your heart? Um, Where are you at in your experience of these sacraments just from your own um, personal journey? Like maybe there are people in here who um, they hate going to confession because they went once as a kid and the priest yelled at them. And so they've never been back since. So I'm going to be speaking with that person um, differently than somebody else. So I, I think a big part of the Sacramental prep, um, especially working with the parents, is meeting them, trying to meet them where they're at, and also like I know we're talking about the sacraments of initiation here, but I'm also involved with marriage prep as well, right? And so when you're with an engaged couple, it's the same kind of sense of how do I, how do I meet them where they're at and like love them where they're at, and then gauge kind of based on where they're at, how do we take them then to the next step? And I think like what you guys are saying, like you can't go wrong with. Um, trying to introduce them through that way of encounter. Um, and then when it comes to the catechesis, just, again, really being attentive and mindful of where's this person at um, so that I'm not just speaking over their heads, but I'm able to engage with them with, with where they're at intellectually and kind of what's on their heart. So,
1: And, and too, you know, there's, I, I want to emphasize this too, you know, meeting people where they're at doesn't mean that we don't challenge them also. Right, Um, Meeting people, like praise God, people challenge me, praise God that uh, someone through consecration to Jesus through Mary, uh, consecration to Jesus through Mary, uh, in my lap and just said, read it, (laughs) you know, and and pushed me. Um, So I think there's that fine balance of like, we, we, we need to, yes, meet people where they're at, but we also need to give them material to chew on. Sure. Uh, you know material to reflect on material for them to because if if they walk away from sessions always thinking oh yeah that was that was easier they're less likely to go back and think about it but if we gets give them something a little bit to it's like oh i never thought of it that way or i never uh realized this they're more likely to mull it over uh more and more throughout the weeks or throughout the months so there's that balance of yes we meet people where they're at but we push them to the next step as well in charity, right? Uh, but we, we always say, but there's more, right? So we can't stop there. Like we always should be striving for uh, for more, right? And that's that's our faith, right? Our faith isn't just uh, fun and, and, you know, coming together and having fun and just kind of checking the boxes. I mean, yes, we get together, we have fun, like we're part of community, but we're also called to that continual study of the faith as well, continually to grow in, in our knowledge and then also that, that love that we have as well for, for our Lord. So I just want to throw that out there too. You know, we meet them where they're at, but also give them something that's going to challenge them, that's going to push them uh, to think on tomorrow and to, to God willing, and hopefully, uh, please God, take it to prayer as well. So mm-hmm.
0: I agree.
2: Yeah, something I just started with my youth ministry kids is I've started challenging them to figure out how to live for Christ. Because I was telling them the other day, I'm like, yeah, we come here and we have fun and we have discussion and whatnot. And we spend some time in, in the chapel, but ultimately you guys need to remember why we are here in the first place. And that is for Jesus. And so if you just come here and you talk about Jesus for two hours, and then you don't think about him the rest of the time, like that's not the point of this. And so, Every two weeks now, whenever we have our youth ministry, I say, "Okay, all right, guys, how have you been living for Christ? And they might tell me and then I'm like, "Okay, but did you complain? Because if you complain about it, that pretty much nixes the whole thing. Like, sorry, guys, but (laughs) and so that's kind of how I'm challenging them in an age appropriate way for them to start thinking about these things, you know.
1: Yeah. I like to do the uh, this this with the, especially the high school kids. Uh, I like to do this thing. It's called striving, thriving, and need reviving. Uh, so I have them kind of reflect on their lives, right? Over, well, I give them four questions. How's your relationship with, um, with God? Or no, I, I think I start with this. I think I start, how is your relationship with your family? Is it striving, thriving, or needs reviving? Uh, how is your relationship with your friends? Striving, thriving, needs reviving. Then I said, how's your relationship with God? same thing and then how's your prayer life and so uh to kind of walk through those areas and it's the reminder that uh, you know our our faith isn't just something that we come to church like it's not just something that we focus on when we're in the church building uh but how are we actually living right i mean saint paul i think it was saint paul that was like faith without works is dead right i think it's james maybe it's james yeah Okay, as Father Kevin, Miles, James, they all, you know, St. Paul would echo it and agree with it too, right? And so with Jesus, uh, that it's our faith isn't just something that we do on Sundays, right? Or we just do when we're at sacramental prep or we uh, do when we're in the four building, like four walls of the church building, but it's truly how we live. We should always be striving to uh, grow in virtue, right? To mold our hearts and our minds, Uh, to that of Christ um, and and to, to be able to live that. So it's not just, Oh, I'm a Christian, but you know, I'm going to complain, right. Or I'm a Christian or, and I'm going to, you know, have angry thoughts about some other person. And I mean, we're all guilty of this. Like we, this is, you know, we all uh, like, we all are fallen creatures, but how do we, uh, how do we continuously ask for the grace from the sacraments to form our conscience, to form our hearts, uh, to make it practical, to have those encounters with Jesus every day, right? And so to use the resources that the church gives us, but then also the uh, asking for the grace to make it applicable, right? For the Lord to work through us. And that's different for everybody.
2: This is completely off doc- topic, but you said, you know, Paul would agree with James. Um, it reminded me of this this passage from Galatians where Paul writes, and when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he clearly was wrong. <laughs> and that's probably one of my favorite Bible verses is Paul just calling out Peter. And I, I think it's like about like circumcision or something like that. But I just love that, that St. Paul is going to call out St. Peter because it's, to his it, face. It's, it's pretty much known that they were they were they had the same personality. And a lot of times people with the same personality are going to butt heads. And so I, I read that one time because I think it was like a daily reading and I was reading the daily readings and I busted out laughing. I'm like, I can't believe he just said that. I opposed Cephas to his face because he was wrong.
0: Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It's so true that that's, so how do we form our parents, right? How do we form adults? How do we form all of us, right? To be that model for the younger kids, right? That it's not just something that we say, but we actually live it. And that we're not afraid to offer fraternal correction. You know, for now, my close friends, I would hope would speak a little bit more brashly to me, maybe, right? You know, then call me out on my crap as Mary Kate's like, you know, (laughs) looking at me. But I would do the same, you know, as well, right? If I notice something, it's because I care. Like, hey, come on, you, you can do better than this, right? You know, depending on what it is. But there's that whole faith without works is dead. And so how do we bring that to life? We model it, Right. We model it. So when we're forming, I think, when we're forming particularly the parents, it's are we ourselves who are doing the teaching, living out the faith, are we modeling it as, as being those entrusted to teach? Uh, but then also, are we encouraging the parents to model it, right, to live it, so that then the kids watch and the kids pay attention? I say, that's how it's supposed to be, right? So it's a continual circle, right?
0: Yeah, I don't have anything else to add. I yeah, echo everything that's being said. And now there's work to be done, so let's get after it. It's always work to be done. Mm.
1: Mission continues. That's right. We're in apostolic times. So yes, ma'am. Anyway. one choice. Yes. Oh darn, I forgot I to think Okay.
2: Mary Kate. So on the topic of sacraments, um, I just realized yesterday that Jason and I's um you okay
1: over
2: there? I was just like a bird thing that really hurt. I'm fine. And was having a heart attack. Um <laughs> uh so Jason and I's anniversary this year is on the feast of Corpus Christi, which what? does my heart very good because Corpus Christi is probably my favorite feast outside of Easter and Christmas. So I'm very, very excited. I realized that and I was like, oh yes That's awesome. Our anniversary is on Corpus Christi, which Corpus Christi, for those of you who don't know, means body of Christ. So it is the feast of basically the Eucharist, Solemnity of the Eucharist. It's a major thing in the church. You should like look into it and see if there's going to be a Eucharistic procession anywhere around you. Actually, the very first thing that Jason and I did after we became, like we were dating, um, the next day was Corpus Christi. And so... Uh, Well, it was the celebration of Corpus Christi on Sunday. So we went to a Eucharistic procession and that was one of the very first things we did as a official couple. I
0: am still thinking. See, this is what happens when every episode you're like, I have three one joys. It's like, well, maybe next time you should space them out. He's not wrong. Offering some fraternal correction here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. I can go.
0: Well, I feel like I've already used this, but I'm going to use it again. Um, So when we're recording this, this weekend, um, we have three young adults who are going to get confirmed, including Tristan, who was on an episode um, several episodes ago. So it's been exciting to journey with all of them and see their excitement for this sacrament. And um, so I'm just excited, like in the homily, I'm just going to pump them up and be like, you guys got to be examples to us to like wake us up to the graces of this sacrament. Because, yeah, we need you guys to be a a good example for us. So, um, yeah, excited for that.
1: So my one joy, I'm super excited, stoked for Tristan. We need to, we'll have to have him on again to kind of see how his journey's going and things like that post sacraments. Mm -hmm. Um, So my one joy is by the time this gets released, I will have been um, there and back on a retreat. uh, And it's been a, a couple of years since I've had the opportunity to go on a retreat and just Uh, To spend time with the Lord. So I'm going and I'm actually, uh, I'll be with, um, well, close to Deacon Matthew. So going out close to Mundelein Seminary. Uh, So I'll be able to spend a day or so with him uh, to see campus and things like that. And uh, I'm hoping the weather's nice to be able to be outside. So uh, I'm just, I'm looking forward to just being with the Lord. So that's, you know, but like I said, by the time this comes out, I will have been there and back. But uh so yeah.
0: It's a beautiful campus and then uh you gotta check out Marytown while you're there too. It's that's gorgeous. actually so
1: I'm staying at the National Shrine of Max, Maxim St. and Colby. Perfect. So yeah, and I hear nothing but uh beautiful things. Like that it's just it's incredibly yeah. beautiful. So
0: you're never you're not gonna want to leave.
1: <laughs> Probably not. But that's usually what happens on retreats. <laughs> that's like...
0: that's the place where they have like a four foot monstrance, I think it is.
1: I think Father Adam was telling me about it. he was like, Yeah, you walk into the chapel and it's like she's like, Jesus. And I'm like, <laughs>
0: oh, yep. Oh,
1: yes. So
0: yep. Anyways, the cool. host is as big as your face. I'm bigger than that. I mean it's yeah, it's a huge host they use. I don't know where they would they would have to like special order that. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> Jesus. So
1: hey. Alright, cool. Well everyone it's been a joy
0: indeed oh i see and- what you did there are we the cause of your joy i mean yeah great you are
1: my friends my friends always make me happy
0: the title of this podcast was actually a reference to mary kate and father kevin yep this whole time um
1: maybe no
0: i feel like that's yeah, a little no. sacrilege no, not at all yeah okay no it was definitely our lady Pull that one back and
1: uh <laughs> great <laughs> I mean, you guys do bring me a lot of joy. It's all I always like when I when we get to, to chat and visit. So, um, But anyways. Yep, same here. Cool. Well, uh, Mary-Kate, do you want to close in prayer since you led the episode?
2: Sure. So, um, yeah, let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we thank you for the gift of friendship. We thank you for this amazing discussion that we've had today. Um, We ask that as um, thousands upon thousands of young people are preparing for their first Holy Eucharist, their first confession for confirmation around the world, that you will prepare their hearts so that they worthily receive you, that they understand who they are receiving. And we ask that you bless them, bless all of our listeners and bless Father Kevin, Emma and I as we continually celebrate um, your resurrection with Easter joy. And we ask all this through your holy mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, of the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Cool. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. It's been real. Thank you, ladies. All right. Continued Easter blessings to all of our listeners. Let's get to work. Bye.